If you are sick of oppressive religious systems, but are not willing to let go of faith altogether, this podcast is for you. In this show, we hear from inspirational people tackling real issues of faith that actually matter in this world. Welcome to Jesus Never Ran. The church is wrong to argue that the Bible justifies any sort of discrimination, oppression, marginalization of those who are not straight. Well, the reason why you ain't got no black folks in your congregation is because we don't show up to places where we're not welcome, and we know we're not welcome based off the conversations you demand that we don't have because of the questions you insist on us not asking because of the answers you don't want to live. And the idea that the best being in the universe can't come up with a better solution to the problems of the universe than to torture people forever, eternally, you just start thinking, if that's as good as God is, this is a pretty depressing universe. Hey everyone, before we jump into the interview, just a couple of quick words about our sponsors, Rise Nutrition from Menominee. You can find out all about what they have going on by going to Facebook and looking up Rise Menominee, and that's Rise with a Z. A couple of things they have going on in August is some special flavors, including a flaming tea blast and wait for it, a lemon poppy seed shake. That sounds incredible. Again, you can find them at Rise Menominee on Facebook or give Angie a call at 715-309-2706. And then our friends over at Infinity Beverages, don't forget that Thursday is buy one, get one for club members. And if you want more information on how to sign up or if you want to order online, go to infinitybeverages.com. Hey everyone, I am going to switch it up on you a little bit today and let you know what's coming up. We've got some great interviews with Jennifer Knapp. We've got Xavier Ramey, Shane Claiborne, amongst many others in the pipeline. But today we are going to switch it up, as I said, and you're going to hear a episode from a friend of mine, Nathan Carlson's podcast. It's called Inquisitive Pontification. And if that is not the best name for a podcast, I don't know what is. But we're going to turn the microphone around. I'm going to let you hear Nathan's podcast from the time when he interviewed me. So this will be this week and next week. So I hope you enjoy this interview with Nathan Carlson and myself on his podcast, Inquisitive Pontification. Welcome to the Inquisitive Pontification Podcast, a podcast exploring faith, religion, politics, film, popular culture, Uber stories, and anything else I find interesting. Enjoy. Okay, I'm ready. <laughs> okay. So, in however many words you want, uh, describe yourself so that people who don't know you understand where you're coming from and who you are. Sure. Well, my name is Matt Kinzera. I am currently a public speaker, podcaster. Um, that's the majority of what I do right now. have done a lot of work with churches and a lot of ministry work in the past, everything from being a worship leader to being a pastor to be a, being a prison chaplain. Mm. Um, so uh, a wide variety, I guess, of ministry roles and now have kind of transformed my career into a, a different space, but a space yeah. where I can still use, you know, still use the same 
gifts and talents, I guess you'll say, but sure. use them in some different arenas, which is a lot of fun for me. And I have uh, amazing family, beautiful wife, Susie, this month will be married 22 years. And then two teenage girls, Macia and Georgia. Macia is almost 17, going to be a senior next year. And Georgia is 14 and she's going to be a freshman in high school. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Awesome. How was, when you were growing up, did your parents, were they involved in church? And how, how did that, what did that look like? Yeah, that's kind of the strange part about the story. So we grew up in a very staunch Catholic family. Mm -hmm. I went to Catholic school growing up. So my parents cared a great deal about me being Catholic, but they didn't okay. care a great deal about ever having, you know, like conversation. We never talked about the Bible or God or Jesus. It was just okay. something they expected a school or church to do. But I was always just infatuated with God, with faith, with Jesus. Mm. Uh, I, I wanted, you know, my first career that I can ever think of that I wanted to pursue was being a priest because I just was so enthralled by all of it. And so a lot of people, you know, people of faith, a lot of people will say, well, there was this moment when I feel like I started to believe in God. And for me, I can't remember a moment when I didn't believe in God. Yeah, I always just me had too. This fascination with <laughs> the out there, you know, right, and still right. to this day, still yeah. very much in that same place. I identify with that because um, in my experience with um, the evangelical church, they talk a lot about um, that moment when you made the decision to follow right. Jesus or to believe in God. And I never had that either. I grew up in a Lutheran household, and we just always went to church, and we always, we didn't talk about God that much, but we did, that was just kind of an assumed thing that we, we went to church as a family, and we all believed in God, and that was a good thing. And I, yeah. I think for the post part, at least on my end, it was a good thing. It still is yeah. a good thing. Agreed. Um, yeah. Yeah, um, absolutely. Same, same situation, and, uh, but, but very, very... For my family, like a lot of Catholic families, it was Catholic and everything else. <laughs> so yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't just believing in God. It was believing okay. in God through the right methods. <laughs> through, yeah, being Catholic. We, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. my wife and I were not, would not have considered ourselves Catholic, Susie and I, when we got married, okay. but we chose <laughs> to get married in the Catholic Church just because we didn't want to deal with it. Not not from my parents as much as from okay. my grandparents. Ah, uh, sure. It just was sure. one thing we, it wasn't that important to us. And we knew right. it was really important to some of our family members. So. And that was, I, I think that that for a while, um, and I'd like, actually, personally, I would like to look in that, into that a little bit more. I remember talking to some of the members of my family that are in the older generations where they remember it was like a big deal if a Lutheran and a Catholic were dating or sometimes even talking, like wow. it was a big deal and maybe, maybe they shouldn't be yeah. hanging out with each other. Shouldn't be friends. Should, definitely, definitely shouldn't get married. Definitely not. Oh, that's, yeah. that's couldn't and a, couldn't get married in either church. Heresy. That is heresy. Yeah. Yeah. But they're both Christian. <laughs> yeah. What the crap? I, yeah, I've, I've heard <laughs> stories like that. And, uh, but yeah, I I didn't experience anything quite like that. I just well, that's good. You know, I just yeah. knew 
I knew enough to say, hey, basically what we did is we found a church. It was a church that Susie grew up in, and we mm-hmm. found a priest who, was let us, who would let us do the service however we wanted to That's within nice. the understanding yeah. that they're going to do their certain Catholic things that they sure. have to do. But they let us pick right. all of the music and, uh, and whatnot. Yeah. So it basically ended up being like a big Catholic concert, which was kind of fun. That's cool. Oh, yeah, everybody won. Absolutely. Everybody won. Yeah. Well, that's good. Yeah. The life is compromised, right? <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes that's just Sometimes. True. Yeah. One thing that I wanted to talk to you about, and it's something that I just investigate yeah. as I go forward with my pockets, but just on a personal level, is the evangelical church, pros and cons, what people think about it, both both people that are still involved with it, which I am, and mm-hmm. then others that may not be involved with it anymore for various reasons. First of all, what is your what is your experience with the evangelical church, and are you still involved with it? Are you not? Like, oh, what are your good, thoughts there? Good questions. Not all of them that I have answers to. Um, <laughs> it's fine. So, so the evangelical church was the first connection to a church that I had other than the Catholic church. So it was Catholic and then I was right into a non-denominational church and it was super powerful, uh, extremely meaningful time for both Susie and I, because we both did that together. So we would go to Catholic church on the campus in Eau Claire together. And then we both at one point went to uh, Valley Brook church downtown in Eau Claire together. And that was the beginning of, just a new experience with God. Yeah. And and the best part of it was the people and the energy, I'll say those two things, like the energy of the services sure. was something that we never experienced before. And the people were so beautiful and genuine and went out of their way to take care of us and to uh, love us well as a young married couple. There's one couple, Bill and Molly Moline, who would have us over for dinner every single week. And we just talk about awesome. the Bible and, and eat. And it was great. So that's, yeah. that was the intro to the evangelical church. And then like most things in my life, I just dive head first into everything many times without <laughs> thinking through that process. Right, right. So we just we just got involved. We just went all the way in and just decided to commit our lives to not only the evangelical church, but to a career with the evangelical church, I guess. And after we got off the road doing music on the road for a while, we really dedicated our lives to serving the local church and the way that we could do that at that time was through music. And after doing music for a number of years at a couple of different churches, uh, my speaking abilities were, were found out by myself and others. I think <laughs> because <laughs> I got an opportunity to speak at a Sunday morning about worship and it was really natural. It went really well. And then ended up speaking for youth camps. It just was, it got rolling really fast as far as the speaking end of things. And we've had the great fortune to experience a lot of different denominations, whether it was Lutheran, non-denominational, you know, grew up Catholic, but worked in some Lutheran churches, Presbyterian churches, just bounced around a lot. And we look at that as a real positive. And uh, yeah, so, and then planted a church that I guess would loosely have been under the evangelical umbrella as well, which is a very missional church, which is where we met you uh, down at B-Side. And now, um, you know, halfway into this journey, so I've been a part of the evangelical church, you know, 20 some odd years, I guess. Halfway through that journey, started definitely asking some questions that I felt needed to be asked that about things that didn't make sense to me. 
Sure. And that's been a tough journey, I guess, because there was a lot of resistance anytime I would want to bring up something that maybe mm-hmm. went against some of the core values of the evangelical movement or the evangelical church. So I guess at this point now, I wouldn't consider myself an evangelical. I don't go to an evangelical okay. church currently on a regular basis. That being said, I find myself in evangelical churches on a fairly regular basis, not every week, but if I'm with some of my family members or friends, or if we do go to a church, it is an evangelical church, I would say. But I see that getting more and more in the rear view mirror as life moves forward. Sure. Then you, you said something interesting. Uh, you kind of, like, when you were describing B-side briefly there, you said, I guess it falls under the umbrella of the evangelical church or movement. I think that that is one of the bigger questions that I want to ask, is what the heck is the definition <laughs> of an evangelical church? So, yeah, and I don't know. maybe you can't answer, but what, what like, what was the initial impression that it was to you, at least. Yeah, I guess I would key in on the word evangelical. You know, the whole idea is that the church, the the movement really rallies around this idea of how can we tell as many people about Jesus as possible, and then how yeah. can we get them to commit their lives to Jesus. So, you know, so much so that some of my early experience with the evangelical church was doing street ministry and knocking on doors and, you know, crazy stuff like that. And now I would never do in a million years, but I was more than (laughs) because I just felt like that's what I was supposed to do. You know, I was just talking to a a new friend last week and he was just saying, "Uh, boy, back in the day, if you were sitting at Starbucks and I was there, you were going to have a conversation with me. (laughs) (laughs) And that was, that's very much what I put as evangelical. I also put, the alt the the hallowed altar call uh, yeah just firmly under evangelicalism in my mind not that it didn't happen in other places but that definitely was like the thing so the reason i say b-side was kind of loosely under that is because we didn't treat even evangelism that way uh we didn't do altar calls and part of that umbrella kind of talk is that we were because we're a missional community we're supported in large part by a lot of other churches in the area, some of those evangelical churches, some of them not evangelical churches. So, so that's part of the reason why I would say we weren't fully evangelical either. Okay. And I think like those, those definitions, you know, reaching out to others, telling people about Jesus and alder calls me sound fine and Mm -hmm. like divisive in general. Mm -hmm. Um, hear your uh, episode when you were talking about how there was one time where you didn't do an altar call and that was like a huge <laughs> thing so that's, uh, I, that goes to your definition that's yeah. you're absolutely right like it's so important that if you don't do it you're like kicked out or you know yeah. I, you probably weren't kicked out but you know it was I, a big I wasn't invited back well there's <laughs> there's a, it was a huge it was a huge youth camp uh in minnesota it was the biggest youth camp in minnesota it's a baptist Baptist General Conference, I think, is what their connection was, although I could totally be wrong on that at this point in the game. And, yeah, it was one of their higher-ranked speakers for four or five years, and then all of a sudden I decided not to do an altar call simply because, and I said this from the stage, I said, I think it's the responsibility of the youth leaders here to help the people that are with them to come to a place of understanding Jesus and a place of faith, as opposed to some random stranger up front. Sure. 
sure. trying to emotionally charge them into a decision. I don't, I just didn't feel good about it. And yeah, I got a call a couple weeks after, you know, not happy about that decision. And then I was never invited back again. Later on in life was invited back to do some family camps, but never to do anything right. with their youth. And what's interesting about that is my, one of the positive th- experiences that I've had with the evangelical church is that one of the things that I learned um, going to the vineyard uh, and and uh, other experiences with um, uh, more evangelical leaning uh, uh, ministries is that it's an encouragement to develop a personal relationship with God and Jesus mm-hmm. and the Holy Spirit. And what I understand about routines or traditions is that you don't always have to do them and it should be led by the holy spirit now traditions are good Mm -hmm. and i would argue for the most part yeah Uh, they can be yeah but you know your decision to not do that once uh, yeah i it's it's it is interesting that they would have Yeah, it was interesting. And that's unique to them. I'm not putting that on all evangelicals. That was one situation. But I would say this. I I remember sitting in an evangelical church that I was working at once, getting a little bit frustrated that... So I I came away from the Catholic Church in part because I was just bored with the tradition and routine of it. And I was looking for something that seemed more alive. You know, like you're talking about, you know, being connected to the Holy Spirit, personal relationship, all of those things are very exciting and, and have been. So it was interesting to me that here I was at this evangelical church realizing that, hey, we're still doing the same crap over and over again. We're just doing <laughs> different crap over and over again. Right. You know? It's a different like we've tradition. Just, tradition. Yeah. Yeah. We say we don't have the tradition like the Catholics and Lutherans do, but really we do. They're just our traditions and we feel like because they're new to us or whatever. Yeah. So... <laughs> you know, it's it's interesting. You know, Martin Luther, he was such a, a rebel, and I think he would turn over in his grave if he discovered what happened to the Lutheran Church and what it's become. I don't think that was his intention, really. <laughs> sure. But whatever. But as a Lutheran in me, I am, you know, aghast at what you said. No, I'm, I'm joking. <laughs> I'm joking. My whole family's ELCA Lutheran, and I, I, yeah, yeah. And I have there's some there's some pretty yep. great Lutheran. Uh, leaders out there that are doing some pretty Absolutely. amazing. My things. grandfather was a um, a Lutheran pastor. Yeah, so nice. there's there's Lutheran blood in me, I guess. Yeah, um, that's awesome. Yeah, I like it. I do like um, knowing some good Lutheran people. Um, mm-hmm. I, I attend Lutheran church from time to time uh, cool. with my parents and and with others and my and my grandma here in town yeah. when I'm able to see her. Um, and and we're able to do that again. Yeah, I greatly enjoy opportunities to go back to the Catholic Church. I I yeah. love it every chance I get. My kids hate it, <laughs> so I don't oh, yeah. let them go if I go. But I sure. enjoy it. Yeah, me too. So one, uh, I have a couple questions. We kind of went over like, what do you like about the evangelical evangelical church, and what don't you like? We yeah. sort of went over that. Yeah, we went over a little bit about yeah. So what do I like? I think people. I think people in general really care well for, for one another, especially if you're like, if you're part of it, if you're in the game, you know, you're loved. Well, I've always felt that from the evangelical communities I've been a part of. Now that's not holistic. I've been a part of a lot of pretty nasty church splits as well. So that's, doesn't mean that's always the case. It goes well, but right. Yeah, absolutely. Just 
just go through history, you'll find that. Sure. So, I mean, there's a yeah. lot. There's a lot. I, I like, I guess I like the intention. I like the idea that, you know, yeah. go all in. If this is what you believe, tell people about it. You know, I think that's that makes sense to me. What I don't like about it is it's it seems to me that there is some some things that are hills to die on to the evangelical church that, that I would think aren't as big of hills to die on. And if you look back to the history of when evangelicalism really started, it started with that in mind of we need to we need to hone in on some things. We need to we need to reel some things in here um, to get a hold of them. And so even though it feels kind of one way, there's definitely an undertone of, well, there's certain there's a certain line that you have to tow here in order to feel like you're a part of this. And if you don't tow it, you will definitely feel excluded. And I would say since I've started to not tow some of those party lines, for lack of better sake, I've definitely felt isolated, isolated or excluded in certain communities and groups of people under evangelicalism. Dancing around something, and you're doing a good job. But I'm going to directly oh. ask you things. What toll, What line sure. are we talking about here? All right. So the biggest line <laughs> that we're talking, probably the biggest line, is this: is that the Bible is the inerrant, infallible Word of God, and okay. so so it has no error in it. Whereas there's so many issues that I have with that. Part of them is from a large looking from above view when we say Jesus and God are one and the same part of the yeah. Trinity, yet we see this God in the Old Testament that comes across as very wrath-filled and anger-filled, and we see right. this Jesus of the New Testament that comes across as as peaceful and all-loving, and we're supposed to believe that those are, are one and the same. That just requires a little bit more dialogue, I think, than, than has been afforded to it. But then there's, like, there's a couple times in even even when disciples are and early church leaders are quoting who was in leadership, some there's a couple times in the Bible where they get that wrong, and you can you can see that they get it wrong in the Old Testament where it says who the actual person in charge was when that was going on. So there's little things that doesn't mean that the Bible's not inspired. I think the Bible is very much inspired, but I don't think for a second that it's without error or that it's perfect. Um, I think it's inspired just like people are inspired by God today to do things, you know? So I don't doubt it's inspiration. I just don't buy into this fact that, um, you know, every little piece of it has to be perfect. I think it's more inspiring if it's not absolutely perfect and God still uses it. So that's one. Uh, predestination is a huge one for me. Um, you know, this idea, uh, uh, you know, somehow we have to figure out what we believe on that. And, um, there's a great pastor up in Minneapolis. His name is Greg Boyd, and he has a kind of an open theism concept. It's not his, but he talks about it a great deal, um, which which talks about that in different ways. Obviously, the uh, LGBTQ community is huge. Um, that's been big for me for a lot of years, which is weird because when it started becoming important to me, I didn't know a single gay person <laughs> at all. Okay. And But yet I was okay. sitting here thinking, well, why is this such a big deal? Um uh -huh. So, you know, my, my friend Steve right now is a pastor up in somewhere in Twin Cities area. His church right now is going through a decision whether they want to uh, allow gay marriages and okay. uh, be fully affirming or not. If they decide that they do want to do that, they'll no, be, no longer be allowed to be a part of their denomination. And, you know, that's okay. so that's obviously a line that, that is, is this an evangelical church then? 
Yeah, very much. It's a covenant uh, church. Covenant, okay. okay. <laughs> Which would be, I would put up firmly under evangelical. And I would even put the covenant church under a little bit liberal on that line as well, which is... Okay fascinating to me um so those are those are some of them for sure sure um salvation i think is a huge one this idea that again it's the altar call idea this idea that you say a prayer and then you're saved and you know i have a real hard problem thinking that where we're born has so much to do with our salvation that if i was born in a country that was predominantly muslim that then i'm just pretty much i mean the probabilities of me to be damned are just huge you know as sure. if i'm born in wisconsin yeah. my probability is really high then or that yeah. you know people who are killed in the holocaust were go are going to hell you know that's to me that's yeah. crazy and that huh. that seems like such a contradiction to the jesus i feel like i know so i could <laughs> i could probably yeah. go on for hours okay. but i won't because okay. nobody wants to listen to that for too long. <laughs> well, I do, but anyway, but yes. I know, you and I could Same. talk forever. But I don't know if anybody, <laughs> podcast listeners, anywhere. Right, well, sure. yeah, there's editing involved, right? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> well, now I have so many more questions that I have <laughs> written down. Maybe Perfect. we'll save them, for, yeah, <laughs> save them for, a different for another episode someday. But one of the things that I uh, have kind of went back and forth. I, you brought up LGBTQ. Sure. Um, I uh, grew up in a pretty progressive liberal household, Lutheran household, where I believed that they were born the way they are, and that's how God made them, and everything was fine. Yeah. And then in college, I went the opposite way um, and started going to a more conservative ministry, on-campus ministry, and believe that it's not okay to be gay. Mm -hmm. And then I went to um, the Vineyard, and they didn't really talk about it much there, and I just kind of stopped worrying too much about more controversial things and political things, and just focused on my relationship with God, which I really appreciate yeah. church uh, focusing on that more. And then I was able to kind of figure out where I stood on these issues, and now I'm all the way back to my previous liberal views on mm -hmm. EQ things. But yeah. one of the well, things welcome I, back. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was an interesting journey, and I I do uh, I have interesting memories of pissing off my family because of my views, but also being a jerk about them as well. Yeah. So I yeah, have yeah. Uh, <laughs> over that. But also, oh, I the, hear that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But I also I appreciate the experience because I literally remember believing these things and right. making the arguments out loud to other people. Completely and so, understand. Yeah, and so yeah. so I come I come from a real similar camp. You know, I okay. my family still. It's interesting because my family's Catholic, but they are very very liberal people, and. Yeah. Um, and then I did, as you did, you know, went from one side and, you know, I'm an artsy fartsy person. So music guy, so definitely have been around people who are not straight in my life. And Susie's same way, you know, she's in the theater world. So even more so, and then kind of went to this place of believing that it's not okay. Said a lot of things I regret, uh, rubbed a lot of people the wrong way because of it. Um, and then now same way I've, I've come back across that divide and, uh, yeah, feel exactly the same as you do. Yeah. Um, 
One of the arguments that I have made and also have heard made is this idea that you hate the sin but love the sinner. And so with being gay, you love them, you love the person, but you don't like what they do. And that argument sort of makes sense when it's applied to other things that, that as Christians, we disagree with, being drunk, lying. Yeah. But it doesn't quite work when it comes to some like identity issues like that. Mm-hmm. Um, your thoughts there? Yeah, I think that comes from a concept. Now, what I was taught on this issue early in my evangelical days was that people were not born gay. That's just, that was what was told to me was the truth. So if that's the case, then that, that argument makes a ton of sense. If you're choosing this, if that's a choice that you're making, then of course that could be a sinful thing. Now, science has proven that to be incorrect, I think, pretty strongly. And I think there's very few people that would disagree with that. So if you can indeed be born gay, then it's not fair for us to start throwing around the word sin unanimously with the word gay or transgendered or whatever, you know, LGBTQ. So my thoughts on that is we should love everybody. But the question is, is this a sin, I guess, is ultimately the question we have to ask. And if you're going to stand on the side of saying, yes, this is a sin, but even the way we say that is so screwed up because the question is going to be, do you think homosexuality is a sin? (laughs) <laughs> I guess it depends. It's like saying, do you think heterosexuality is a sin? Well, yeah, if you're using it to lord over somebody, or if you're using it to traffic somebody, or if you're using it to gratify only your own desires, absolutely, your hetero- heterosexuality can lead you to all sorts of sinful areas. So, even the question's not, it's the wrong question. It's And so, everybody's unique. So, we want to take this issue of LGBTQ and we want to put everybody in the same camp, which is just, it's such a load of crap because I don't want to be judged as a straight person the same way every straight person is judged. And so, there are certainly people who are gay who are born that way. I also think there's a lot of people out there that are gay that choose to be gay because of things that have happened in their life. So I think every situation is unique and we should treat every situation as unique. And so we need to be careful not to put blanket statements across the LGBT community, community effectively not allowing them full access to our faith communities, which to me then gets to the bigger issue, which I think is why I get so damn fired up about this issue is because to me, it's a civil rights issue. To me, it's like, you because if if I do, which I very much do believe that people are born this way, and then all of a sudden I'm saying because of the way that you're born, you can't be a member at this church or you can't hold a position of a pastor, you can't play the ukulele on the worship team or hand out bulletins, you know. It to yeah. me it seems crazy. Like if you did that with a person because of their color of their skin, I mean it'd be we'd be having a different conversation right now. I agree with that. Yep. And so you brought up something that I've been thinking about too is like if if the church overall, whatever church wants to talk about this, if if the church really has an issue with sexual sin, right? Mm-hmm. Fine, let's talk about that. Yep. What is it? Like three percent are like gay or right. something? It's not ten percent, but it's not. No, it's small. It's a it's, small number. Right. That means that ninety-seven percent of say Americans are 
uh, heterosexual. Right? right. So if we're talking about sexual sin, 97% of us are on the heterosexual side of things. Correct. So that's where most of the, head, the, 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 the sexual sin exists, mm-hmm. right? And so, and, and what is that? Def- I mean, everyone has a different, different definition of what sexual sin is, but some would argue that pornography is on that uh, spectrum or on that, you know, no, no, that don't do that. Uh, sex outside of marriage, sex before marriage, what, obviously rape, um, you know, sexual assault, um, what, you know, all these different things. I don't know. I haven't heard of an evangelical church that talks about those things more than the LGBTQ issue. Yeah, it's, it's, it's so crazy because it's such a problem in our world. It's arguably one of the biggest problems we have in our world. What both you and I would call sexual sin is, is just causing problems in every area of our society. Yet we're choosing not to talk about it much instead talking and pointing our fingers at a tiny little group of people that we want to villainize and condemn. And interestingly enough, Jesus doesn't say a word about it. You know, Jesus yeah, there's that gay people ever. I mean, right. If if yep. we really want to walk like Jesus, we better shut our mouth up about the gay community. <laughs> I guess you're right. Right. Not I, that it wasn't uh, going on at the time. Not that Jesus wasn't right. teaching overlying principles that would affect everybody. Sure. And sexual sin that would affect everybody. Um, right. 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 It's just a it's a goofy thing. It's a goofy thing. It is a goofy thing. Let me correct myself. I I. You know, thinking about my experience at the Vineyard Church, they I helped start a ministry to fight human trafficking. And so through that church. And yeah. so they were they're very good about wanting change and seeing yeah. assault, I mean, sexual assault and trafficking. Yes, exactly. Those vineyard they're, folks are justice folks. I love very them. much so. Absolutely. And so I would argue that even though they have a view on the LGBTQ thing that I, I disagree with, they do focus on women's equality and, yep. and women's rights issues and sexual assault and, and sexual sin uh, probably more than the LGBTQ thing, which I do appreciate. Yeah, so they do a that lot, is, right? Yep, I agree. If you enjoyed this episode, and really any episode, make sure you give Jesus Never Ran a five-star rating, subscribe to the podcast, and give us a review. Please do the exact same thing for Nathan Carlson's podcast called, again, Inquisitive Pontification. Do the same thing for him. Subscribe to his podcast, give him a five-star rating, and write him a review. Next week is part two of the conversation. We'll see you then, and until then, keep walking.